Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I think, you know, it's those failures that have really set me up for the biggest successes in my life. You know, I didn't get into the the top grad school I wanted to get into. So I went to a different one and it was the best decision I've ever made. You know, things that you think are failures when you're failing end up not being failures at all. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. I am currently in Santa Monica, California, right where our headquarters are at the beautiful Beach House co-work. And I'm here with the awesome Kate Edwards from a tech company called Heartbeat. Hi, Hi. How's it going? We're going to pretend like we didn't just do the We Are LA Tech podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It's my first one ever. (laughs) Um, So Kate's amazing. I am so excited to introduce all of you to Kate. I've known Kate for a long time. She's part of the Los Angeles tech community. She was on my show that's older than the Women in Tech podcast, the We Are LA Tech podcast, which launched in 2014. So I've had the pleasure of being able to feature her startup, Heartbeat, Then, and now jumping to the point, she has 150,000 plus incredible ambassadors who are associated with her uh, influential company. And so she's going to tell you all about it. Kate, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us about Heartbeat. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm Kate. My company is called Heartbeat. I'm the co-founder and COO. Um, Heartbeat's essentially a word of mouth marketing platform. So we connect brands directly with women who are female brand ambassadors, who are actually just normal women consumers. So we're really, you know, making sure that brands know, you know, the people that they're trying to market to. Um, And so we provide kind of that two-way conversation between brands and and those people. And tell me, walk me through what it looks like. One, if I'm a brand, and then also if I'm just me, how does someone like me get involved in Heartbeat? And then how does someone like Nike get involved in Heartbeat? Yeah, our ambassadors are just, they're just normal women, right? So they might have... 300 followers on Instagram or, you know, 2000 is, is the average that we have, actually. So they're normal people. They're they're just like the women, you know, the women you're friends with who go to brunch with. Um, and you can just sign up by going to our website, getheartbeat.co. Um, so if you're an ambassador, you can earn extra money. You can post about brands that you're really excited about, get free products to try. So essentially, you know, you're only representing brands that you are really genuinely, authentically excited about. Um, so it's it's really just a cool side hustle. Um, and then for the brands we work with, you know, it, we can help them with any sort of marketing goal. So if they're trying to, you know, reach reach a new demographic, we can do that. If they're trying to, you know, launch a new product, we can help them with that. Um, but essentially, you know, what we do is create massive user generated content campaigns using our network of ambassadors. Incredible. Um, yeah. What's what's a really strong 
uh, result you've gotten for one of your clients? Oh, oh my God. So we just did a campaign with a company called Blondin, which is a hair care product for blondes, which sounds so funny, <laughs> but um, that's their that's their name. So we did a huge campaign with them over, I guess it was over Black Friday and then we continued it after. Um, but, you know, they're an e-commerce company. They were trying to, you know, work with with blonde women essentially right. to, to post about the product. So um, we sent their product to thousands of ambassadors um, and we drove like $15,000 in incremental sales for them in, in two days. So what? two days. Yeah, I was over incredible. the Black Friday weekend. Wait, what does what does Blondin do? Blondin. So it's basically shampoos and like hair care products for blonde people specifically because, yeah. you know, dyed blondes yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they, were, it, it makes me think of Sunnin. Yeah. It was, it's more like, it doesn't make you blonde. I think it keeps you blonde and they're yeah. all natural, you know, like cruelty free, yeah. all that stuff. Blondin, like put blonde in my hair. Yeah. Put yeah. blonde in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's awesome. But that's, we work with a lot of e-commerce clients. Um, we work with a lot of clients who are trying to get the word of their brand out there. Like we can help with brand awareness. We can also help drive sales, that type of thing. Um, so, yeah. So for the brands, we can help them with any number of challenges, depending on what they want. I mean, th think of it as like having an army of women who are super excited about your product, like whatever you would have them do, you know, whether it's post, whether it's like become an ambassador community, yeah. we can do all types of things. Like and that. you don't just have one hundred fifty thousand ambassadors in 15 countries. You have an army in your office, too, of 15 people, plus a phenomenal co-founder. We do. My co-founder and our CEO's name is Brian Freeman. Um, and we have 15 employees and growing and we're growing and I'm so excited. Our team is incredible. They're all so cool and they're way cooler than me. They tell me like how old and uncool I am every day, which I think is really important for your ego. <laughs> and uh, tell me about your co-founder. How did you meet your co-founder? So we basically met, I think, on Instagram, which is a good story for an Instagram <laughs> company. Um, so, you know, we basically connected because we were both working in the like dating tech space at the time. Right. So he had an app called Wildfire, which was the first female focused dating app. I'm sure a lot of you girls know about it. Yeah. yeah. People, everybody had it on their phones. Like, yeah. And this was like 2014. Um, and then I was working at three day rule, which is a tech enabled matchmaking company here in LA. And, um, so we had, we had met kind of through the dating tech scene, you know, right. Tinder's here, like yeah. all the dating companies are here. So, um, so our paths kept crossing and he basically came up with the idea for heartbeat because he was having women on college campuses post on their personal Instagram right. accounts about, you know, his dating app launches. So like they launch in one city, they'd all post about it. Right. They would drive like. 20,000 installs in a week, you know, and Incredible. he and he was like, wait, like, why is this happening? This doesn't work with any other marketing channel right. except for these women in colleges. And so we were just like, and he was like, Kate, do you think that there's something here? And I was like, yes, of course yes. I do. I really think that there's yeah. something there. So, you know, it started as this idea that the average woman is actually way more influential than an influencer. Right. Um, and we kind of took that hypothesis and ran with it. Now, your whole background is marketing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of fell into it. <laughs> um, I was an international relations major in college um, and I went to Brown and, uh, you know, kind of decided that cold weather was was, enough. <laughs> was not your thing. Um, and then I worked in New York at big ad agencies for five years. So I work with clients like Procter and Gamble and um, Johnson and Johnson and really just like learn the ins and outs of everything from traditional marketing like TV and print and billboards. Yeah. Um, down to digital. 
And, you know, starting to work in digital was where I really, you know, started to get more involved in tech. So and and when would you say at any point in your life was that moment where you're like, tech is awesome? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So it was when I was working in advertising that I really got excited about tech. When I started in advertising, it was 2007. And so very different time. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like pre-recession, big ad agencies. MySpace was still huge. So much. <laughs> There's like a lot of money being thrown around. You know, everybody wanted like these microsites and QR yeah. codes and whatever. But um, so, you know, no one wanted to do digital, right? Like right. at a big ad agency, it was very prestigious, old dinosaur-like place to work. But all of the like top creative directors, all of the like top account people didn't want to touch digital with a 10 foot pole. So what ended up happening was all the 22 year olds who were working there got thrown on social media, on display ads, you know, learning how to do websites because, you know, it wasn't cool. And that really helped me kind of build up my expertise from day one. Um, And so, you know, all of a sudden I was the go to person for anything in that space um, which really, I think, you know, set me up for success and those other people up for failure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of tech, like I've always been a little nerdy. Like I was did a lot of math and a lot of physics, even in high school, like was always top of my class for those things. I just never really got into the tech side of it um, until until I was actually working. And now you're the C- COO at Heartbeat mm-hmm. and co-founder. Yep. Is this your first time being a founder? This is my second time being a founder. Um, I founded another company <laughs> called Techspert, um, which was a dating advice app. Um, and they're actually still around kicking, if you can believe it. Um, but yeah, that that was, you know, probably the one that taught me a lot about what success and failure are. Totally. And, your, st- um, your starter startup. My starter startup, yeah. for sure. And, you know, I think that was really important. You have to make a lot of mistakes before before you really know what you're doing. And I almost think it's better to have a little bit of a failure under your belt than than not. Do you know, I had someone incredibly seasoned, an investor tell me that lately, that the first question he asked people is, have you failed and how many times? And if someone says, I haven't failed at all, they're not the right fit for him. It's not a right fit. And, and there's something very egotistical about someone who thinks that they haven't failed. <laughs> um, some have bigger failures than other. But yeah, everybody has failed in, in some way. I think, you know, it's those failures that have really set me up for the biggest successes in my life. You know, I didn't get into the the top grad school I wanted to get into. So I went to a different one and it was the best decision I've ever made. You know, things that you think are failures when you're failing end up not being failures at all. Totally. Okay, so it's your second time being a founder, first time being a COO. What was your role in your last company? We didn't really have titles. <laughs> is this your first time being a COO? This is my first time being a COO, yeah. How did you pick it? How do you even know I can um, do this? Yeah, I don't know. You're like, I don't know. Every day I do the best I can. Well, I, I've been doing it. I've been doing it for a while, even without the title, right? Right, right. COO is one of those roles that can kind of be, especially in a startup phase, I think it's more defined at a bigger company, right? right. Like, I know exactly what Sheryl Sandberg does. Yes. Um, but but in, in the same way, you know, it, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of like, the face of the company. Right. We are a female focused company. And, you know, my co-founder Brian is as well. But, yeah. you know, I get to do that. And that's always a pleasure. Um, and then, you know, I'm I'm doing a little of everything. So I manage our sales team. I manage our account team. Um, I help with a lot of the finance. Um, I do all of our marketing. So we, you know, I think we've pulled kind of my background and skilled set in together with a bunch of roles that needed to right. be done 
to kind of have this, you know, bigger role? You know, I remember there with my sports company, um, I built the first action sports social mm-hmm. network. It was also a media company and we were um, doing a red carpet with like Tony Hawk and all these people. And someone said, oh, you're a producer. And I said, what's a producer? <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, it's the, first, it's the first time I heard that. I don't think it absorbed much longer, but it was the first time I heard that. And now years later, I'm like, oh, I, I'm a producer. I know how to be a producer, but it wasn't until someone labeled it and knew what that meant. And yeah. I, I think, I think sometimes the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because you kind of stumbled upon this role and, and then you're like, oh, that's what it, that's what it's labeled. And I think, uh, when we want to venture out and pursue our dreams, we don't really necessarily need to know what those dreams are called. No, you definitely (laughs) don't. But I think you need to know what you're good at and what you like. Yes. Yeah. I'm kind of the like type A quantitative, the MBA in the room person in our company. And so, yeah, I help with the financial model because like, that's just how my brain works. Brian and I, our our distribution of responsibilities has actually evolved quite a bit. I, used to help with fundraising stuff and now I like stay far away from it. But, you know, the way that we distribute it is like, I mean, he's the CEO. He's really doing a lot of that, you know, fundraising stuff and, and, you know, helping really grow the company and come up with like the the whole vision. And and he's just, I mean, he's just like that visionary type. And, you know, I get to be in the weeds and, you know, working with every single employee on a daily basis and making sure all the wheels don't fall off. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we we communicate together as a team to make sure that it keeps working. And was there any specific reason and maybe there wasn't, but he that he decided to stay on the fundraising and you stepped away from it? I mean, we just both couldn't do it. I mean, he's he's amazing at it, too. I mean, he's he's really good at articulating what our company is and what the vision is and how, and much how ha- big this could have be. you guys raised so far. We've raised about $3 million to date. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And it was actually over a long period of time. So, um, you know, we didn't do like a very, you know, we actually made money from the beginning. You know, we, we had revenue. Which I actually heard is a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So we. I'm not making a joke, everyone. No, this she's is being pro- totally yeah. serious. Yeah. That's completely true. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you start making money, the investors start asking how much. So yeah. <laughs> Not just that. They're like, the, the, it makes it harder for them to, I guess, be more speculative or daydreamy mm-hmm. because now there's numbers that they have to work exactly. with. Was if you're not making money, they could just balloon it as big as they want to yeah. balloon it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so, trippy. Yeah. But I mean, that's always how we've we've run the business where, you know, we're in this, you know, as a business, Mm -hmm. we're going to make as much money as we can. Right. So for us, it's not just a game with fundraising. Um, You know, this is really about building something that's going to be huge. And what would you say has been the biggest challenge being a COO that uh, you've overcome and, and you're like, wow, I wish I knew that to start. Uh, I'd say like managing people. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, What you don't realize as I manage eight people right now, and it's maybe more than (laughs) no. Um, But, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, you realize like, oh, my time is now managing, right? Like it's not actually doing tasks. It's not what and I do a lot of, you know, stuff like that, too. But, you know, making sure that personalities gel, making sure that everybody feels supported and appreciated and making sure that it's a fun culture, you know, all of those things you don't think about that when you think of a job title. Um, I wish I had known that you need to really actively put together your culture from the beginning and that one person can like 
make or break it. Um, what does that mean to you actively put together culture? What's that look like? I mean, you know, we've always had this kind of like scrappy go-getter attitude. Like if the printer's broken, no one's going to fix it for you. Like that's that is basically the example we always give to our new employees on day one. Um, and, you know, it's something that Brian and I just kind of realized we both shared as as co-founders um, and not trying to make everybody in our image. You know, we want to bring the kind of uh, company culture to light that we feel like has, has made us successful thus far. Like these are the tools that we've identified that made us a strong business. Right. Each new employee, like, you know, get that on board. So we do, you know, we do a huge onboarding when we get a new employee um, and then we try to to really have people like think about the culture, like what if we're doing an event, like why are we doing it? You right. know, are we giving back? Are we just having fun? Like so, so yeah, we're we're really thoughtful about what goes into to that culture. I think what so my biggest mistake in my sports company was not defining the internal culture as well. I learned this through Tony Shea from Zappos mm. because. For instance, I had a teammate who didn't meet deadlines and all the rest of my team did meet deadlines. And because I didn't have a culture in place to say that we're a team that meets things in a timely manner, Mm -hmm. I thought the person was so talented that I was afraid to lose the person. And what happened was, because I did not know that I was tarnishing my own company culture, Mm -hmm. my whole team, the rest of the team who had for years met every deadline got pissed at me that I let the one person get away with deadlines. They all stopped meeting deadlines and then they like came against me. Revolted. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. One person can be super toxic and, you know, you always identify it, but you don't always do something about it. I think that's probably the one thing that I have learned is, you know, if somebody is really bringing it down, you know, you, you have to take action. And it doesn't even have to be really toxic it could just be for instance something like if you have a culture where you have pets in your in your company and someone's allergic to pets they're not gonna be the right fit yeah doesn't mean they're a toxic person it just means we have a culture of animals and you're allergic so it doesn't make sense yeah and so yeah company culture is huge i highly recommend checking out how zappos put together their company culture do you have any books or any kind of insights where we all can go to learn how to put together an effective company culture? I don't, you know, I actually I can't think of any books right now. So Heartbeat was in Techstars over the summer. Congratulations. The, thank you. What is Techstars? Techstars is an accelerator program that invests in companies and, and really helps mentor them and grow. So um, they're in like every city and they're it's an incredible organization. Um, and, and honestly, going in it was one of the best things we ever did. Um, we were farther along than most of the companies at the time. We were like 10 people and we were like, you know, what are we going to learn in Techstars? And we learned so much. Yeah. It was like the most transformative thing we've done. But um, Anna Barber, who is the managing director of Techstars LA, you know, put a huge emphasis on culture. And so <laughs> I didn't necessarily learn from a book, although I'm sure she would tell me for to read. <laughs> um, but I learned a lot from her and from that program cool. that, you know, emphasizing culture and, you know, the day to day pieces of your business, like they're so much more important than, you know, you know, you can hit your sales number, but it could all fall apart if you don't take the time to, to think about that business. hundred percent. So, And what, what would you say is, is a person, it could be male or female that you really look up to as a business leader, someone that you aspire. I don't know. I don't like to say aspire to be like, but someone you look up to mold after. Yeah. I mean, Anna is definitely a mentor for me and, 
Um, Talia Goldstein, who's the CEO of Three Day Rule, she's so great. I mean, she's she's incredible. So great. Yeah. Um, and and then kind of on a on a you know another level, I'd say somebody like a Sheryl Sandberg, who we were talking about yeah. before. Um, you know, she's just a really strong person, and I think she you know uses her position of power to bring to light important issues. And um, she's she's really smart, but doesn't lead with that you know yeah, yeah um and and I really look up to people who you know she and I have the same job title right. but um I think you know she's just really really inspirational so um and I've gotten the chance to to meet her and talk to her a couple times and that's so cool I how? know how I, I did my MBA internship at Facebook so I got to, oh, to meet see, her yeah and then in business school, uh, for our superlatives, I was voted most likely to lean in. And she heard about that. So she messaged no. me on Facebook what? one day. I know. I was like, is this real? So it <laughs> was pretty wild. crazy. Yeah, it was cool. Actually, um, I had another good kind of like girl boss moment. Sophia Amorosa, yeah. who does girl boss. Yeah. She signed up to be a Heartbeat Ambassador recently. What? I think she was just checking us out. I don't know. I have no idea. But um, she's also super That's inspirational. Wild. Yeah. And she's kind of like this like quirky character. Oh, my God. I hope they feature you on Girl Boss. <laughs> I love they Girl Boss. They featured Sophia. Sophia yeah. with Mountain Gate. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. They featured Sophia with Mountain Gate, which is a dinner series run here in Los Angeles for tech and business community. They featured her on Girl Boss. Yeah, I yeah. think. And Girl Boss just raised a bunch of money. I think Lightspeed invested in them. So, I mean, she's she's doing awesome things, too. That's so cool. Before we wrap it up, the one thing that I want to talk about, and it's completely in line with what we were just talking about, all these incredible business leaders, is what does it mean to you to be a silent mentor? Because I know you've been a mentor to me many times, <laughs> and I'm so appreciative. And I think this show is about all of us being silent mentors to all the listeners out there and to all the listeners peers as you know, a, what is it to you to be a mentor? I mean, to me, it's part listening, part coaching, you know, and you, you have to kind of be able to listen to what people are saying and read between the lines in order to be a good mentor. Right. So people don't always say exactly what they want to say. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what I do I don't, I mean, it's weird to think of yourself as a mentor, but what, you know, with a lot of my employees, like, I just remember what it was like to, to be in their shoes. Like a lot of them are, are way younger than me. Um, but I know the, the challenges that I experienced, especially as a woman in the workplace, um, you know, I have some pretty terrible stories. Um, but you know, I try to just, you know, be very active about inspiring them. Like I have taught them, you know, everybody how to negotiate. I've, you know, given people books to read, like I'll send them articles. And so, you know, it's not a matter of necessarily like sitting down and saying like, you need to do this. It's more like inspiring them to want to go to the next level. So rad. How can people connect with you online? On all the social medias, my account is K8Eddie. So K, the number eight, and then E-D-D-I-E. Um, and then my email is kate at getheartbeat.co. With a K. With a K. <laughs> <laughs> One last question. What is your superpower? My superpower? Can I say my financial? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my, um, you can. My, my, my budgeting ability? No. No, that is. That is, especially in the startup world, that is a superpower. Well, it was funny. I, I met with, um, we work with Full Stack Finance, and I love them. And, uh, you know, I was like, yeah. 
I just like ask all the questions. They're like, you're really into this, aren't you? Um, no, I I am definitely really quantitative. I think that's somehow my superpower. Like I'm the one who's always like, you know, but how are we tracking it? But how are we measuring it? What's the KPI? And so um, I think within my company, that's something that that I, I get to do, which is really fun. And it's something that you oh, mentored me in. And then my other superpower yeah. is outside of work is trivia because I was on Jeopardy last year. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wait, how far did you get? I can't remember. I didn't. I didn't win. It was, you know, I'm going to blame it on the buzzer because I knew a lot of the answers. And then the guy who uh, who beat me was just like crazy on the buzzer. Like people on Twitter were like, "That guy is weird. How he holds the buzzer." And, <laughs> but he was great. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. But the- trivia is is definitely something I'm secretly, you know too into it's it's really funny that you think that for jeopardy you have to really master the information oh it's not about that you needed to practice buzzer pushing oh my gosh i was doing it all wrong (laughs) (laughs) so funny but yeah it was good kate you're awesome you're inspiring uh before we sign out everybody who wants to become an ambassador of heartbeat where do they go right now they go to get heartbeat co and they sign up on our join page cool if you want cool stuff that you love free products free beauty products um free fashion stuff we're, we're working with some awesome brands right now and i know that if you would love to work with heartbeat as an intern or in one of their full-time roles just go to angelist mm-hmm. and they display all their jobs available there kate thank you so much for being part of the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. You're incredible. You guys, I will talk to you guys, hear you guys, see you guys in the next episode. Remember, say hello at Women in Tech Show on all the socials. Bye. This episode of the Women in Tech Show is powered by UpGuard. UpGuard's discovery engine brings visibility to complex IT environments, enabling teams to quickly identify risk, confirm compliance, and make business safer. They are proud supporters and employers of incredible women in tech. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.